It's a pleasure to be joined by this man who has been a part of so many historic moments in MMA with fighters such as Cain Velasquez, Luke Rockhold, Daniel Cormier. And this past weekend, Khabib Nurmagomedov, as he retired in the middle of the octagon at UFC 254. Javier Mendez, welcome to Submission Radio. We appreciate you joining us in the aftermath of this incredible event. Yeah, thanks for having me on, you guys. Uh, not a problem. Not a problem. Always a Oh, believe me, the pleasure is absolutely ours. Um, man, i got to ask, you know, we're still very much in the aftermath of Khabib's win and, of course, the retirement. What's the last 24 hours been like for you since that win? I see you guys, are, you got snakes in the gym or something. What's going on? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, the snake, the, uh, that this camp, um, it's like, first and foremost, you know, I want to thank Nas uh, Training Facility and, and uh, the Prince Hamad. Uh, you know, uh, he hosted us uh, for this gr uh, this great camp that we had. And as far as hospitality and amenities and what we had to work with was incredible. Uh, but as far as team team thing and, and luck, we had the worst luck ever for this camp. It was incredible how bad it was. But at the end of the day, you know, every camp has problems. And we had our share on this one. But, you know, he was ready mentally uh, to go and physically to go. Not 100% physically, but he was ready. And... You know, it's as ready as you could be, I guess, when you think about the whole thing. Are you talking about just the broken foot or are you talking about other things? And how did this broken foot happen? Uh, well, other things. I mean, when he first got here, when he got here, I believe on September 11th, he had the mumps. And wow. mumps, I mumps. And, you know, so it took him out two weeks of training, you know, and he got the mumps, I guess, the day before his father's event in Russia. So he came here with the mumps. And uh, he tried training uh, a couple of days really light, but then he got so sick he had to be hospitalized. So he was in the hospital for three days. Uh, he comes out, you know, and I'm like going, oh, I'm ready shitting, man. I'm going, oh, man, we're fighting such a great warrior like Justin, and we, we're already starting off on the bad foot. And I'm like going, this really sucks, you know. So he starts training really light one week. And then the, the second week we start, we have to get some sparring in because, I mean, without sparring, you don't know where you're at. So we have one sparring session. He looked okay, not not like I wanted him to look, but he looked okay, you know. And, and um, the second sparring session, he was looking great. And all of a sudden, midway in the second round, boom, he stops. I go, what the heck happened? Broke his freaking toe. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, great. You know, broken toe. Now we have to wait more time, you know, for, for him to heal before we can start training again. You know, so the, that really jacked everything up, you know. But at the end of the day, like I said, we all have things that happen, mishappen camp. This was just one of our worst for him. I mean, you know, and uh, the one thing he said, like uh, six days out before the event, he said, Coach, he goes, my toe may be broken, but my mind is not. And, <laughs> and you know, we worked on stuff like that forever from his father to me. That when he said that my mind is not, I already knew that we're winning this fight no matter what. And, and he looked, in all honesty, his last sparring sessions, he looked fantastic. He, the last sparring session he had, he, he sparred with, with Ushman, his, his cousin, who was a phenom. Uh, he looked so incredible. I said, oh, we're, we're, we're good. We're good. So really, if, if things didn't go our way, you wouldn't hear me talking about this because then we're crying sour grapes and I didn't want to do that. Um, but due to the fact that he did win, I'll just state out the facts. You know, he was, it was, it was the worst camp for us. And That's unbelievable. Injuries and stuff. That's unbelievable. The mumps and a broken toe. I'm wondering as well, Coach, before we even get to the fight, 
the weight cut. I mean, it's incredibly difficult to lose that weight if you're not 100%. And also, if you've got to deal with the toe and you can't run as much as you usually do, how much did it impact you guys actually trying to make weight for the event? Was there any hurdles in that regard? No, there wasn't. And that's what shocks me because, look, listen, this is what was going on. We were going to do the weight cut. We started Wednesday. He started Wednesday in the weight cut. And then uh, Thursday, he did a weight cut in the morning. And then we we're going to do one in, later in the evening. But he was only six pounds off, right? He was six pounds off on Thursday morning. So he said, Coach, I feel strong. I'm not going to do the, the night uh, workout. I'm just going to go in the morning and do the weight cut and go from there. So I, I said, if you mind, if you don't mind, I don't want to go to the final weight cut because it's too early for me. It was like 6.30 when they started the weight cut. He goes, no, no problem. I'm never there anyways. So I, all of a sudden, uh, I, I, I get up around 9, and I said, hey, how, how did the weight cut go? And, and Omar, who, who I call the fixer, said, oh, perfect. Everything was great. You know, he was strong, the whole bit. So next thing you know, I get all these calls like, hey, well, what's going on with the weight cut? Have you had problems with weight? And I'm like, what the hell are people talking about? He had no problem. He was right on point. I go, there's no way something went wrong. And then I watched the 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 uh, the weigh-in, right? And and the guys that were doing the scale thing, man, those guys were like Speedy Gonzalez. What the hell were they doing? That was so damn quick the way they did that. I would think something's up myself personally because if you watch the, the weight, which I did watch, Habib grabbed both those guys' hands and he steps on the scale. And as soon as he releases his hand, those guys are like already. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Because why did you, why did they go so fast with the scale? He was on weight. He was on point, on point, you know, and, and but I didn't know why I was getting all these calls. And then I looked and I go, oh, okay, that's why. But if you really, really look, you can see he was, on, he was on point, but, but it did look suspicious. No doubt that it wasn't his fault. That was the, 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 the people doing the weigh-ins that they were doing it fast. I heard they did it for other people that fast too. So, and then also too, you know, it's like anybody knows they weigh you before, before you go to the weigh-ins, they weigh you right before you go out, okay? They weigh you, so they make sure you're on point, number one. Number two, if Habib was having problems with weight, why the hell would he be the first one knowing they're going to weigh him? He wouldn't want to be the first one out. He was the first one out because he was on weight and he wanted to get out of there and start eating. Mm. Well, there, there you go. Thank you for clarifying that, Harv. You know, he made the weight, made it to the fight, despite all the crazy things that happened in the camp. And then before we talk about the actual fight itself and the performance, which is a fantastic one, looking at Khabib walking out, uh, you know, during his entrance, it was so different. You know, normally a really stoic guy, you could see him. It almost looked like he wanted to hide tears. And it felt like the, the moment was kind of, I don't want to say getting to him, but he certainly felt something about it. What was it like for you coaching him in this fight? Um, was it, and, and what was going through your mind sort of moments before the Gaethje fight actually started? Well, before the fight was going on, I was going, uh, my mind was going, is he going to hold it together? Yes. And then I was going doubtful. I'm going, uh-oh. And then I'm going, yes, no, he's on. Then I go, uh-oh. And yes, he's on. So in my mind, I was teeter-tottering back and forth. You know, am I going to get him the way I need him? I said yes. And then then uh, at the very, very end there, I felt very confident. But but there was there was a time there when I was going, oh, okay, this is a little bit different. Not too different, but a little bit. But, you know, as a coach, you notice your fighters' antics and what they do and what they don't do. And this was a little bit different than the last time, but I understood why, I knew why, you know, his father, his father was the one thing that was missing, his father, even though his father wasn't there for the vast majority of the UFC events, I was, it doesn't matter, his father was still there in his ears, his father was still there within a phone call, and this time he wasn't, 
Mm. I'm wondering, uh, did you know about the retirement before you walked out? Did the team know about the retirement before they walked out? Or when did you actually learn about it? <laughs> I learned about it while I was giving the speech. I, I, my jaw <laughs> dropped. I went, what? I, I, he, I mean, he plays the best poker face on the planet. He never yeah. mentioned it in, in camp, never mentioned no, it at all leading nothing, into the fight to you, never. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The, the, the only thing, and I never didn't talk about father either because, you know, I didn't want to touch on that subject because I didn't want to, you know, get him sad because I never got really got to talk to him about his father, about how he felt and because it was past. And I figured, you know what, that's on the past. I'm not bringing any of that up. So all of this was a total shock to me. I'm listening to one of them, I'm like going, Oh man, father's plan great, but mother's plan works in the end. You know, <laughs> his mother's was for him to 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 please not fight without his father, and and that's what he did. And you know, respect. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, this sport is not a longevity sport. It's come in, come out. You know, and he's coming out at the time that he feels it's the right time for himself and his family. You know, and obviously me myself, I would have liked to have seen him go thirty and no, like his father wished, but. You know, uh, he, he, he loves his mother so much and his family that he decided that, no, it's time. And and financially, he's set. So he's not a greedy man. And, and you guys know as well as I know that if he hung out one more fight, it would have been a monster payday. Mm. But obviously, you know, family means more to him than money and, and, you know, and everything he does. I mean, that's why people love him so much. That's why, it, you know, the Middle East has gotten so huge in popularity of MMA. It's all solely because of Habib, number one. I mean, there's other factors, of course, but he's the number one reason. Uh, uh, and organizations like the UA Warriors, you know, uh, that's, that's here in Abu Dhabi, uh, uh, that, you know, uh, with the president fought. That guy's an incredible promoter. Expect a lot of great things from that guy. He, he's awesome. You know, and they got some good things going over here. And then they got Braves, too, I guess. But the Fod guy, I went to his show at the UA Warriors and UAAE Warriors. I'm sorry. It was an incredible show. An incredible show. I was like, wow, these guys are professional top notch. Mm. What was the conversation like after the fight about the retirement? I know you said you didn't know it was happening. I imagine at some point when you got in the locker room or that, or that night, you guys would have talked about it. What was that conversation that you had like with uh, Habib? Non-existent. I didn't talk to him about Why? it. Why? I just figured, hey, that was his wishes. I heard like everybody else heard. I don't need to discuss it. I, to me, it was like, hey, it was mother's plan, you know, and he, his mother wanted him to retire, and, and, and he promised her, and, and the promise is a promise, you know, and, and I just look, hey, there's no need to, no need to go, for me to go on that. If he discusses it with me, no problem. We'll talk about it, and I'll give him my opinion, but, you know, his decision was made, and, and I stand by his decision, and, and if he ever changes his mind, he'll talk to me, or he won't talk to me, but I'll stand by that decision, but right now, I'll never, I'll never discuss why you retire. No, I, I heard it like you guys did, so it's done, you know. Now it's time to focus on the new crop of guys he has and, and my guys that I have. I mean, we have a lot of uh, a lot of people that are hungry. We have a lot of people that they want the opportunities, and, and Habib is going to do his best to give them those opportunities as well as me. I've been coach for a whole bunch of up-and-coming guys, and hopefully we can propel more more people to start them. We'll see. I mean, you know. Anything could happen, you know, uh, but but the goal is to create more stars. Mm. Oh, well, absolutely. We're going to ask you about, you know, the, the new crop of fighters as well. Um, but just one more thing, just on the retirement. I know you didn't talk to him about it, but um, I wanted to ask you, how much do you think it was sort of, you know, mother's plan and him making a very admirable promise to his mother? And 
as opposed to also the fact that, you know, his father was intertwined in basically every single aspect of his career. And I imagine just going on without his father would have been, you know, that much more difficult for him, um, you know, in, in as, as far as career goes. I agree 100%. Look at all the tears he cried at the end. You know, he was crying a lot, guys. I mean, really, there was a lot of a, a lot of emotion, a lot, a lot of a lot of sorrow there, and and mm -hmm. I just went up to him and said, "I love you," and cried. Go ahead, let it let it all out. You know, I mean, he deserved it. He bottled that up, man. He bottled that up. That was all bottled up inside, and it drove him to what he did. It's like you said, Coach. My toe is broken, but my mind is not. You know, and and that that just goes to explain how how powerful the mind is and how powerful his mind was. And and I always knew that as long as this, this man had the faith in, in himself, his family, and his religion, that he can never be broken. I know that. I knew that from 2012. Mm, a beautiful moment indeed. Um, you mentioned it before when you were talking about um, the, him retiring, but do you think there's a chance he could ever change his mind? Khabib kind of seems like the kind of guy that when he says something, you know, that's kind of it. And you know, we know in MMA retirements, happen all the time and people come back all the time but many people think that you know this is it this this really was the last time we saw Khabib in an octagon uh it, well as a fighter yeah probably very well could 100% be it as a fighter but not as a coach he mm. promised me that he would help me coach his guys together so so when the Eagles team MMA or anybody of my guys that, that, that want his help and he wants to help he's going to be in the corner with me so he's not done with MMA just you know, just done with the. <laughs> now it's the mind game that he's going to be playing with me against other other opponents with with our fighters. You know, that's what we're that's the arena we are headed into now with him. Of course, you know he has many businesses that he has been establishing the foundations where he's opening up gyms around the world. It started in the in the, in the UK before the pandemic, where he's offering uh, free 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 uh, lessons uh, gyms. Uh, for for underprivileged kids, you know, he, he was starting that before the pandemic hit. They they were they were in the process of, of building uh, uh, gyms for for underprivileged kids to come train for free, you know. So that's the kind of humanitarian good things his father uh, was was trying to do, and Habib's fulfilling the legacy of what his father wanted to do. Mm. Say, so, as a father, though, you don't really see a scenario that could bring him back. I mean, from everything that he said, it, it does really sound like he's done with the sport. I, you know, unless he changes his mind, I personally, I don't see the reason why he, he, you know, he's never been somebody that, that said something and not meant it. I, I, I'm to me, I would have to say that that part's done. You know, I mean, I mean, sure. Anything's possible, but, uh, as much as the fans and even myself as a coach, I would love to have him back, but, uh, no, I, I, no, I think he's done. And, and like I said, you're not going to get me trying to convince him otherwise. I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically, if anything, I'll say, hey, you know, you said you're retired, stay retired. Mm -hmm. And my, my feeling on it personally is, the longer the way you stay away from the sport, let's say one, two years go by, I think it's a mistake to try to come back at that point in juncture, because you're, you're, you're going to be behind the times. Everybody keeps evolving all the time. The fighters get better, the techniques get better, the coaching gets better. Uh, and I think he'll be behind the, the uh, behind, you know. So I don't think it's a wise idea. I think uh, he has so many, so many Eagles MMA guys that that got great talent. Uh, Isla Makachev, you know, uh, Umar, you know, his cousin and Ushman, who who I've been touting as the next superstar with the right grooming. 
he will be a superstar. I call him the Luke Rockhold of Dagestan. Oh, oh, the, the, then all the, gets all the ladies. Yeah, all the women of Dagestan. Better, better watch out. Well, obviously, we got to ask also. What did you think of the performance itself? Because a lot of people kind of find it funny that Habib retired on what could be his best career performance. What did you think of the the win over Justin Gaethje? Um, I, I thought the win was, uh, he, you know, for the first time, for the first time, and I repeat this, for the first time. Without his father's presence, when he fought Dustin, I said he fought father's plan exactly the way we want it. Well, in all, in all honesty, this is the first time he actually listened to my plan, you know, exactly the way I wanted it. I'm sure if his father was around, his father would have want the same thing. So I call it father's plan. But uh, the whole idea was we're supposed to stay relaxed. We come out there. We don't rush nothing. We wanted to see where he was at. So I wanted him to stay on the outside, and I call it like Cain Velasquez style. So... So basically, he did. He did what I always taught Kane is how to how to stay outside, and then put pressure. Nothing but constant pressure, pressure, pressure. And if you guys watch the fight, you, you rewatch what you see. You, you'll probably hear me say Kane Velasquez style, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Stay relaxed, stay relaxed. Outside, outside, and then all of a sudden the pressure. Then I'm then I'm pressure, 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 pressure. You know, and continuous pressure because one thing I was very confident in is I felt that Justin was not going to be uh, used to that kind of pressure because a lot of people. Are, are more weary of his heavy hands. And, I mean, come on, man. The guy's a freaking stud. He's a freaking stud. And, and uh, it was a matter for me of outmastering his great coach. Uh, and I had to figure, okay, how am I going to do this? And I said, okay, number one, if I was that coach, what would I do? I said, number one, I would go for Habib's legs. I would go calf kick the hell out of his legs. Calf kick the hell out of his legs because that's what's going to slow him down. And then, uh, so I told Habib right from the get-go, he's going to come after you with calf kicks. So we need to prepare. We need to prepare. So obviously being being sick for two weeks, getting a broken foot, that kind of killed the calf kick kind of checking and drilling, you know. Hmm. So so that kind of worried me. But but at the very end there, you know, like I said, uh, you know, my mind my mind uh, is not broken, even though my toes are. That That played a big factor. That's right. The toes are broken, but the mind is not absolutely rock solid, just like our sponsor, Manscaped, who are currently offering the best trimmer on the market, the Lawn Mower 3.0, to shave your beans. The best trimmer, 7,000 RPM motor. Don't quote me on this one, but I believe it can power three houses at the same time. We're offering a 20% off code with the code submission. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. Of course, the Lawn Mower 3.0. It's a sexy-looking mower. It gets the job done. Don't go to the gym. And stink out the place with some stinky balls. Make sure you're in shape and ready to go with Manscaped. And like you mentioned, jump on manscaped.com right now. Put in submission as your code. Get 20% off and get your free shipping. Some incredible packages available. The official sponsor for Submission Radio. Make sure you're sharp. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're Manscaped. But uh, speaking of ready, coach, I mean, in this fight with Khabib, we saw him go for a number of submissions off his back. He went for an armbar. He finished it off with a triangle. Was that always the plan going into the fight for him to work for submissions off his back? Uh, well, that I leave him alone to him. And his thought process on that was that, you know, the reason why he went for the triangle at the end rather than armbar because he said he was probably pretty strong. He felt pretty strong and it would be something that he probably could get away with. So he went for the, for the triangle at the very end and, and, uh, you know, and he just felt, I mean, if you watch it, I mean, the one thing that I always said, and I told you guys that I felt, because I think that once on the ground, Justin was going to be at a disadvantage because he hasn't been there. He hasn't been there enough in real fights. So he was, too. He was at a disadvantage because he hadn't been in real fights 
and in, in, in where he, you know, he might have done it in practice, but he didn't been in real fights where he had to fight off the ground. And, and I think that hurt him personally. And I and I knew that was going to be a problem for him because of that. At least I was hoping it was going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be a problem. Man, unbelievable. 29-0, and 0, never knocked down, never cut, never lost a fight. I mean, as, as perfect a career as you could ever hope for. Um, people are obviously discussing Habib's place as far as the pound-for-pound pound number one list. He said that's what he wants from the UFC come Tuesday. He wants to be the number one on the pound-for-pound pound list. People are talking about him, you know, whether he is the GOAT in MMA. You know, where do you think he lies as far as that debate goes, Harv? Uh, well, pound for pound, he's the best lightweight on the planet. Uh, in, in regards to the greatest, you know, I mean, I'm biased. So obviously I say yes, but I mean, let's, I mean, yes, that's for the fans to decide. I, I definitely think he's in the top three, if not number one, not number two, number three. I mean, the fact of the matter is, dominance, performance, uh, longevity uh, compared to some of the other ones like an Anderson, like a GSP, like a John Jones. Uh, they might have more, more, more of a, a longevity as far as title defenses and title, title, title fights, but I don't think there's ever been a more dominant uh, a fighter in the history of the sport. You know, I really don't. And, and um, show me all the video. If you, if you, can, if you think I'm wrong, show me. Show me who has been more dominant. And I, and I really can't recall of anybody that's been more, more dominant than everybody knows who the clear-cut winner is. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. So um, for that reason, I, I, I would say so. But again, you know, it's for the people to decide, you know, who, who, who the greatest of all time is. But I can definitely 100% undoubtedly not being biased on this one. He is the greatest lightweight of all time. The greatest mm-hmm. pound for pound. I might be biased there. So uh, but I'll say yes, but I'm biased. And I mean, uh, Khabib setting an example, retiring at the peak of his career um, in his prime and uh, setting an example to all the other fighters in the organization that, you, you know, you can retire in the prime and the right time of your career. But coach, now that it's all said and done and we can say that Khabib has officially retired, I have to ask you, um, what was your favorite moment out of his career and the moments that you, both of you guys shared, you know, in his incredible run in the UFC? Uh, the... <laughs> The hug and he says, "I love you, coach." At the end of this fight, yeah, oh. yeah, love you, what? coach. Thank you for everything. What did that mean to you when that happened, Javier? <laughs> well, you guys almost got me tearing up. So obviously, <laughs> it means everything. Well, did you ever think that when he walked through the doors of AKA, what was it, 2012, that you know, he, he, you guys would be sharing this moment, you know, in, in 2020, some eight years later? No, not like not. Uh, I knew he was going to be a champion. Um, um, but, but, uh, but I didn't know he would be with me, uh, to be honest with you, because how can, how can you really know that when, you know, 2012, he lives in Russia, it was very difficult for him to live in San Jose, super, super expensive. Uh, you know, it wasn't like he was rich or anything. He was, he was barely, you know, struggling to make it by, you know, when he first came to us, he was looking for places to stay people. And I had some people, I had one of my, one of my awesome lady uh, coach, she's one of the best coaches, wrestling coaches in the world, uh, Carolyn Webster. She put him up in, in her house. She goes, I'll put him up. So she put him all in the house, and, and you guys are going to laugh. <laughs> so um, so I'm thinking, okay, Habib, I got your situation taken care of. You're going to stay with Carolyn. She's glad to have you, blah, blah, blah. Well, they come to her house. Well, she had some little dogs and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and Habib's deathly afraid of dogs. <laughs> so he's deathly 
pay the dogs. So, <laughs> but what happened is Habib puts the dogs outside and they're inside dogs. And, and, and he puts them all outside. He puts all his gloves and everything on the trees to dry up with the wraps and everything. And uh, Carolyn calls me up. She goes, uh, uh, um, um, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but... Um, I don't know if I can have Habib stay in my house. He, he threw my dogs outside. And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know. Habib, what are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, coach, I'm afraid of dogs. I can't, I'm very scared, you know? And I'm like, oh my God. So she goes, well, Habib, I'm sorry. You know, you cannot stay. She goes, that's okay, coach. It's okay. Thank you very much. And then, so after that, I had a good friend of mine, Tony Castro, this, uh, one of the greatest uh, strength and conditioning coaches. He, he took Habib up in Hollister, which is where I live now, which is about an hour and 50 minutes away from the gym. So he had him stay with him for a little while. So uh, because of those kind of hardships, you know, guys, it, it's kind of tough. I mean, for, but he was loyal. Loyalty is number one with him. And, and uh, he stayed with me because of love and loyalty and the great training he got and the, you know, this the friendship and the love he had. Like, I mean, you can see it between him and Daniel Cormier. The whole team loves him, but him and Daniel had a special bond, as you can tell from from watching. You can see there's a special bond between him and Daniel. They're, they're brothers for life. Mm, unbelievable. And both finishing up their careers at, at such high peaks. It's really great to see. Javier, quickly, before we wrap up, got to ask you, what do you think should happen with the vacant title? A lot of people sort of trying to figure out who should uh, fight for the vacant belt. What are your thoughts on the matter? 100% Dustin has proven that he's number one, and he's proven whoever he fights should fight for the title. That's my opinion. I, I think Dustin, Dustin is, in, in my eyes, he's, 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 he's the lone guy. He, he fought Habib for the title. He lost to Habib, but he rebounded back with a great win against Tony. Uh, and Tony was number one uh, title uh, contender for the title with Habib, and, and then, uh, unfortunately that fight will never happen now. But uh, I think hands down, it has to be Dustin. I think anybody that fights for the title, if it doesn't include Dustin, I think it's a tragedy. I think it's a shame. And, and, and I believe that he deserves it more than anybody. What if it ends up being Dustin versus Connor? Because, you know, that's the fight that's been talked about for a while. Do you agree that that could be, you know, a fitting fight for the vacant belt? Well, 100%. Connor was dominant in his last performance, regardless whether what weight it was. Connor's still a top guy. And anybody that in, in the top five, as long as it involves Dustin, in my opinion, it's a world title to me. In my eyes, it's legit. And and so Dustin fighting anybody in the top five is a legit title. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with the title. But before we wrap, Coach, we've got to find out. I mean, you mentioned it earlier in the interview. You and Khabib will be working together into the future. Give us a little glimpse of that, though. How will that work? Are you going to be flying over to Russia? Will he be flying over to AKA? Where will you guys be working together, and how is it going to sort of look going into the future? I think we have three destinations. Dagestan, which is his gym. I will travel over there. San Jose, a.k.a., which they love to come, so they'll be coming there. And then Nas with the, with the Prince over here. They've hosted us. So as long as we keep having fights over here at Abu Dhabi, uh, Nas is going to be our training facility. You know, as long as they're, they're willing to have us here, I, I would love to continue to come. Uh, training here. It's, it's the greatest facility in the world. They got the greatest uh, hospitality. I've never been treated so well. And I mean, if you guys were here and you got to witness, it's a private gym. So it's the prince's yeah. own private gym. So now people can't go in. But if you went in there and you seen what was there and, and, and how hospitable they are towards you and friendly and 
Man, it's just, you couldn't ask for a better training situation than what Nas has provided for us. Mm, I know, but they didn't want to give Habib cheese on his burger, which uh, give the man some cheese. I love the videos that you've posted this whole time, Hub. Mm-hmm. Just the absolute best, right. the absolute best, and, uh, you know, fitting for, you know, the absolute best. Like you said, in the UFC's lightweight division, in the history of MMA, and quite possibly the GOAT, definitely the GOAT in your opinion. Huge honor chatting to you just, what, 24 hours or so after the fight and the event itself. Always love having you on, Harv, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.